Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast, and this is episode 400, which is kind of crazy, which is also why I am resetting the whole thing. So you're about to hear some great music instead of the music you've heard for the last 400 episodes. Uh, And we're going uh, back. We're making the podcast great again by going back and doing five questions with a guest and then doing five questions on. And for the month of January, I'm excited to focus on the topic of church staff each and every Thursday. So throughout the month, we're going to cover topics like compensating church staff, how to hire church staff, how to structure church staff, and finally, how to develop and lead a church staff. So on top of all this, you'll actually be able to go to ministrygrid.com slash church staff and find free resources that we put together just for you uh, to be able to utilize some of these things that we reference templates, other things. Um, These will all be free for the month of January. And then after that, you can access them at any time with a Ministry Grid subscription. So we hope that you find this information helpful and these resources useful in your leadership today. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I'm here with a co-host. A (laughs) co-host. Yeah. Well... I don't know what to call this. This is a special episode. Yeah, it's, we're we're getting back to our roots. And what are the, what is that? Uh, okay, so that's Chandler Vinoy. Did I already say that? No. Okay, that's Chandler Vinoy. He's been on here a time or two, and we also have Scott McConnell hey, hey. Uh, from Lifeway Research here. And back in the olden times, ye olden times, if you will, and I'm sure that you do. We, uh, me and Barnabas, and sometimes Geiger, me and Geiger would do. Five questions on. So for a time, maybe years, there was one episode a week that was five leadership questions with a guest. Uh, That was an interview. And then there were five questions on or about a certain subject. So as we roll into 2020, we're getting our vision straight, (laughs) realigned, and we're going back to, to, in part, what kind of... Uh, really gave the podcast, I think, a good blend because there's plenty. Uh, look, this podcast is probably five years old now. It's getting up there, yeah. And so, you know, at that time, podcast had kind of waned when we began it. Um, and now you can swing a dead cat in any direction and hit somebody starting a podcast. And a lot of those are interview podcasts. So we think one of the best things that we can do is, is get back to saying, hey, yeah, we're going to continue to do interviews. But um, what people really want is consolidated information, thought-provoking information. So for the month of January, uh, we are doing church staffing, all about church staffing, church staffing issues. So uh, today we're talking about how to compensate church staff. So whether you're church staff or not, I think this will be quite intriguing and juicy for you, <laughs> uh, which is why we have Scott McConnell here to provide us with, with all, all the, the research, all the research. So I'm not a guest stuff. this week. I'm a, I, I'm a guest co-host. I, uh, sure. You're whatever right. you want to be. All yeah. Right. That's awesome. We brought in the expert. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll provide um, commentary for, you know, opinion-based questions. 
Mostly. Uh, maybe not. Maybe some factual stuff. Hopefully it's factual. Uh, you want to get started? Sure. So we'll hop into the first question here. And this might be a question people are asking is, why do churches need to pay their staff? I mean, why can it not just be volunteer led? So let's just start there. Why do churches need to pay their staff? Okay. So um, you're going to see people come down on both sides of this. I've seen people, especially in recent years or in uh, some parts of the country, they'll, they'll say, hey, you know, didn't Jesus say freely you received and freely you give? And I would be like, well, yeah, but actually he was talking about healing people and things like that. I mean, you're, you're seeing that in Matthew 10. Um, now, he does go on to address money a little bit later. Um, and said, don't acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two tunics or sandals for the workers worthy of support, meaning that they are to be supported wherever they go. Um, and then you see him later take a tack that is uh, interesting um, when he's when he is at the point in ministry where he knows he's not going to be with them much longer. That's when he said, actually, take a purse, take a belt um, or, or a bag, I believe, and a sword. If you don't have a sword, <laughs> sell your tunic and get one. It's about to be on. Uh, and so in that regard as well, you see, okay, um, even looking at the example of Judas, for example, we know that they had funds. We know that they took up funds and received funds, and those funds took care of them because, you know, Judas had his hand in the till. So that's... I would say, yes, you should pay uh, your staff and there's biblical support for that. Those are some of the examples I would give. Well, since we can say this, the staff needs to be paid, let's get into a little bit more kind of the philosophy of it. How much of a church's budget should go towards that staff? Wow, that's a tough one <laughs> because the number one expense at most churches is people and hmm. followed quickly by facility costs. And it's even in a small single staff church, it can be a huge portion of the funds. And the median that we're seeing uh, in, in some of the studies we've done, and we've, we've not covered all denominations, but we're seeing about 47% is the median and the average is about 51% of the budget. And so if you're going to be at, at around half, uh, you know, that's a lot of your funds going mm. toward, you know, one or more people's salaries. The, the bigger issue there for me uh, is when you get when you start to get north of 50 percent, um, you run a real risk and a real danger. So, you know, um, as a um, executive pastor kind of guy, um, I can tell you that you can quickly go from 50 percent to 62 percent or high 60s. And all it takes um, is just a few years of insurance increases. And even if you're just doing a cost of living increase to keep up, you know, w with the rising inflation, uh, you get yourself way out of whack really quickly. And then, you know, most people end up cutting ministry or resources from there before they end up cutting people. Uh, or staff positions. So it's it's a really difficult thing because you want longevity in some of those roles, but you have to remember, man, that adds up. If I'm giving you a cost of living <laughs> increase every year, uh, even if it's just that and it's not anything else, it really starts to add up. Uh, and then depending on, you know, how the nation feels about healthcare care um, or laws that are passed or anything can happen, 
you know, really quickly and churches are left kind of scrambling for it. And there's going to be increasing pressure in this spot because church is a people intensive business. So, you know, when half of your budgets go into people, uh, every other business is finding efficiencies, Yeah, but they tend to find efficiencies by using less people. Ministry is never going to have less people if you do it right. And so the question, so, so there's going to be serious pressure on a church's budget I, going I, forward. I'm going to disagree with that <laughs> um, uh, because I think part of the reason why we're in the state that we are currently in in our churches, where most churches feel like we're understaffed or, um, you know, not sure how we're going to continue to make the ends meet. And that is because of a couple things. You had uh, rapid e- economic prosperity and expansion, especially in America from 1950 to now. I mean, there were some tough times in between those those, those times. But um, after World War II, church changed and church shifted. Um, and a big part of that, um, I think, is churches being almost uh, relegated to the weekend. You can even look at like Levittown, New York, first planned community um, and they would give a church, they would actually give a church a plot of land that, that went along with that community. Um, but the church as community center, the church as, um, I don't know, the size of churches rapidly increased. Uh, church, again, got relegated to the weekend. It's something I do on, on the weekend more than anything else. Uh, meanwhile, in the 80s and 90s, you had church growth movement, which meant excellence and everything has to be excellent and uh, I want to be seeker sensitive and I want to make sure I have plenty of things for people and here's their felt needs and I need you know a men's ministry and a women's ministry and a parenting thing and you know all these things and so we filled up the plates of everyone at our church with opportunities meanwhile even since that time people come to church Instead of two or three times a week, they come two or three times a month. And so there's all these different things, I think, at play here where now we're in the state that we're in because we have had the, the blessings of churches, you know, growing larger uh, and shifting expectations of what church is. And then also um, economic prosperity, meaning that we're going to be, you know, we're, we're able to... Um, be taken care of. I will say church has to be difficult in a lot of places around the world that don't have the tax benefits that you have in the U.S. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, for the ministers listening, they understand what housing allowance is and how important that is for them to be able to make ends meet. Um, so no, that's a portion of your income that's not taxable. And no property taxes for the church. No property taxes for the church. Um both those could go away and, any year. And yeah. people getting that end of year, you know, making sure they, um, they're they doing their, their giving. The end reason why giving. end of year giving is a thing is because everybody's trying to balance their books for taxes. And so they're trying to get the maximum benefit and the church certainly benefits from that. But, you know. What if that all goes away? I mean, this is a really big topic, a really big issue, and I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> this is the scary uh, portion, uh, the, <laughs> the scary portion. Uh, I'm not trying to be political or anything like that. I'm just saying, hey, it's a reality. It's a reality, yeah. and and it's a luxury that we have uh, the situation we do. Um, furthermore, 
I would say the Bible's pretty clear that baptism is not the finish line and you need to move people from Ephesians 2, 8, 9 to Ephesians 2, 10, meaning that we're God's workmanship and everybody has a role. Um, every person is a member of the body and should be engaged in work and service to Christ. Um, you cannot grow into spiritual maturity apart from using your gifts and service to Christ. So um, I think we have shifted uh, over the years as churches have grown larger uh, and excellence becomes a higher and higher expectation. We've taken some of those things probably away from the body. Um, it may come to a time in the near future uh, or distant future where it's not even an option for us to continue to staff the way we do or budget the way we do. Um, so we have to get really busy about building an army, not just an audience. So do you feel, let's go back to the the percentage or maybe like how much of a church's budget should go towards staff. Um, philosophy wise, is it easy to, it's, it's easy to say, hey, this is volunteer led. We're striving for excellence. Right. If we just had somebody in a paid position, it would be excellent. So let's just go back to the philosophy of this. Um, when you're when a growing church is saying the answer is oh if we just had more staff we could do this you know is it what would you advise someone who's saying that and versus leaning into volunteers and leading them and developing them like what's the breaking point of when it should be volunteer led to hey we do need to make this staff this be be a paid staff position I mean personally I think. Man, part of it's going to depend on the size of the church in that whether or not you can do that and move forward with where you currently are. Um, it's much easier in a church plant situation or a new church situation than it is a, a legacy church because there's clear expectations that are there. I do think that everybody should be um, multiplying themselves, even if the uh, role for let's say worship, because that's one that's, you know, often talked about is, well, I, I can't just have anybody leading worship or, you know, it has to sound decent. It can't be a, a six, Todd. It needs to be a nine or a 10 yeah. every week. I totally get that. But that does not uh, negate your job as a leader of that ministry to reproduce yourself in those people. So I would say part of the issue is, um, performance-based or doing-based versus developing uh, other people. And that development should be done over the course of time and brought in and not, it doesn't sacrifice the experience of, you know, Sunday morning. Um, but, you know, there might be some cases where that does happen. I mean, there's various parts of the church where people can kind of, you can begin to build a pipeline where you can say, hey, you know, well, this may not be center stage, platform, you know, 930 service, this might be Wednesday night student ministry, or this might be, you know, this other portion, you have plenty of opportunity to potentially build that spot. Now I say that, um, but 90% of the people listening to this don't have that luxury. 90% of the people listening to this are in a single staff church and they're already bivocational. Um, in that regard, you do have to lean on whoever you've got. And it's like the, the, the best person at the moment uh, is the person I'm going to tap to, you know, lead the singing uh, or play the piano or whatever it might be in a, a, a smaller staff. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, a smaller church. So, yeah, I mean, in that regard, 
it's pretty you you don't have a whole lot of option um and i think that a lot of uh a lot of the the statistics and things that that we kind of walk through and think about we often turn our mind toward the mid-size and larger church when the reality is that's not what most churches are but um the expectations of some of those larger settings are then placed on sometimes self-imposed uh, in the smaller churches. I think we do learn a lot from looking at church plants because everything in a church plant te- should be at least intentional because mm. you get to think about it fresh and and actually do the things philosophically you think you should. And a lot, a lot of times church planters are trying to do just a few things well in their church plant. And one of the exceptions we see is many African-American church plants actually have a lot of ministries. Mm. The only way most of them are doing that is by them being volunteer-led. And so we see a model of getting a lot of ministry done the way we almost expect a large church to be doing, having a lot of ministries for a lot of people. We actually see African-American church plants doing that while they're still small, while they're still young, and and they're doing it by, by doing exactly what Todd was just talking about, which is training up laity to, to take on the work of ministry. So... And this is fascinating because is there, I'm curious about, um, from a culture perspective, do you think that's just, is the, I mean, you know, cause culture of course is shared behavior, um, shared values. Is that in part based on the culture of African-American churches, predominantly African-American churches? And, and I mean, you know, we've seen the, the book, Every Christian, a Minister, I, the typical African-American church lives that out. They, they will bestow on somebody the minister title if they are a layperson right. leading a ministry. And, and so uh, there's an expectation that lay people are going to lead. They're going to be uh, serving long term. They're not just checking in for a year and checking out to, <laughs> to you know, you know, to, to fill a slot. Yeah. Um, they, they're going to, you know, they're going to own it. They're going to really invest themselves in, in an aspect of the church's ministry. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think we as churches can be learning from that saying, you know, in total, we can get more done. Again, you're in a single staff church, which is the typical church in America. You know, we're talking about verses in the Bible that are don't muzzle the ox. We need to pay a pastor mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to be a leader um, at the same time. Again, uh, I think an increasing number of churches are going to find it difficult to cover that entire cost and to start looking at sec- two and three and four and five paid staff members as they grow. Uh, that will just be increasingly difficult. I, I just can't, I just, I can't get over the fact that I think we typically will have a tendency, again, whether it's self-imposed or, um, I don't know, even subconsciously, it's almost like we'll say, hey, paid staff is the varsity and hmm. full time <laughs> is, is, is the varsity. And, you know, Bivo is like, oh, it's junior varsity or uh, our our lay leaders are junior varsity. And that is not, it's certainly not biblical. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost a leadership certain, cop out because really I would is. rather pay somebody because that way I know I can put a job description in front mm-hmm. of them and make them do that right. rather than have a volunteer that I, number one, need to trust to do it. Right. 
and also be continuing to invest in. And that takes more work than simply handing them a sheet of paper and say, do this and your check will show up. Leading a volunteer is much harder than, you know, leading your employee because it's like, here's your paycheck versus here's the vision and motivation behind it. Completely different. Yeah. And I mean, when we see how much Paul, you know, takes the time in his letters to churches to motivate, you know, that's a big chunk of leadership is, is motivating people to say, yes, if my work in this ministry fits into the vision of the entire church and is helping us move ahead with the mission. Hmm. Well, let's get to the paycheck now. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're talking uh, about research. Let's, let's jump into a little bit more of the research here and probably a question that whether you are church staff or you're just listening and you have always wondered this question, what is the average salary of a pastor in America? As we look around, that's a, that, that's a tough number to find. <laughs> um, and one of the best studies we found was actually a study of studies where they've actually looked across a number of denominations, grabbed the studies those groups were already doing, and then took the ones that could be compared and combined them. And, uh, and so this, this was a, a survey that, uh, that we found in the, in the Christian century. Um, and was the research was led by Kirk Hathaway and Penny Marler, and uh, the average clergy salary uh, is is fifty thousand eight hundred dollars. Um, as our conversation has already shown, we're talking about a huge range here of, oh, of churches and yep. and bivocational versus full time, and and trying to you know trying to get things comparable as we can uh, for these conversations. So it's kind of like, here's the average and how few churches actually fit, you know, in the average. Spot. Right. It, because it, depending on the area of the country that you live or, the, again, the size of the church and, and all that, I can't imagine what the two ends of the spectrum look like. Well, oh, I know yeah. one is free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I know the other one is crazy. Yeah. It's got to be. X percentage of your TV revenue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as you think about it as a church, you've got to be taking a lot of things into account. Uh, on the budget side of things, you're thinking of the compensation itself, and you're, but you're also looking at insurance of different types. And not every church offers uh, I- insurance. And we've actually seen fewer churches offering medical insurance uh, since since the government mandated right. everyone to have medical insurance. And so because many churches are small enough, they have very few employees, they can qualify to simply use uh, uh, what many refer to as Obamacare um, as, as their insurance. And so in that sense, the church is off the hook. The, you know, they, the, they, they will get insurance on the exchange. So you're just looking at compensation then. Uh, we see a minority of churches, uh, depending on the church size, you know, offering uh, disability, dental insurance, vision insurance, those kinds of things, uh, which are definitely something to be talking about as a church to see if you can afford those things. Right. Because, uh, you know, other church planting research we've done is when insurance is missing, especially medical insurance, it creates a lot of stress on a household. And actually, ministry is less effective when those, hmm. yes, benefits, but, but pretty important benefits are not there for a ministry family. That's fascinating. There really is. Well, because there are um, part-time employers that have an insurance benefit, medical benefit, probably not as near as many that used to be, but 
because I can remember um, some of the people that we may have had that were not full time um, or were contract, you know, hearing, oh, well, I work at X because I have medical benefit there. And that was pretty much how they made ends meet. Another piece of compensation uh, that's just totally different for a, a pastor than for a typical American is the whole idea of housing as compensation. And it kind of kicked up for the same reason uh, that military uh, it gets an exemption. Uh, normally, anytime your employer gives you something, you have to pay tax on it. Hmm. And it can be, you know... Just, just anything. They give you a car to use, anything like that. Well, in the military and in the old days, churches would provide housing for their pastors in the same way military provides it for, right. for their employees. And it's kind of like, wow, uh, it feels a little unfair to have to pay tax on that. Right. And so, so, so the government put an exemption in there. And, and so in one sense, it's a part of the compensation. You know, at some point, the church had to buy the parsonage, or if there is no parsonage, uh, you know, th that pastor still needs housing. Right. And so they are able, even if they're not in a parsonage, to designate the fair rental value of where they're living right. as housing and not pay tax on that, which is a great tax benefit, but it gets super confusing. It means that almost every church staff member has to hire an accountant to do their <laughs> taxes. Uh, so it, it it's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. But... The, the, the minister themselves actually designates how much is housing if they're not in a parsonage, how much is housing um, out of the compensation. So you as a church, you simply say, we're budgeting X dollars for your compensation. And then each year, uh, they need to give you that number, how, what portion is housing, and make sure they have the definition, fair rental value of, of the place where they're living um, so that you can officially split that out when you go to report it to the government. So with all the research that we, we've seen and we've walked through, what are some common mistakes uh, churches make when it comes to compensation? A uh, couple that come to mind right away. One is uh, paying a staff member based on their family. Hmm. In other words, often what this shows up in is uh, somebody goes into the exact same role you had somebody in the past, but they're not married, they don't have kids, so you pay them less. And it's like, that's, you know, that, 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 that's not fair uh, compensation. You should be looking at the work being done and, and the person doing the work and, and not looking at whether they're married, whether they have kids. Uh, those things actually increase your compassion, <laughs> you yeah. know, that there are more mouths to feed those kinds of things. But we should have the same compassion for a single staff member uh, serving on a church as we do um, with those, with a family. Uh, a second thing that comes to mind are, are just uh, uh, ministers' compensation is is just different uh, uh, tax-wise, and if it's easy for a church not to understand it because it's not like a business. Um, it, the, the 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 pastors are essentially self-employed in from a tax standpoint, and so. Uh, it's easy to either treat them like a business would on withholding or, or, or not give them anything and make them do that all themselves. So that's something to definitely get some advice from, uh, from an accountant who understands taxes uh, for, for clergy so that you handle that appropriately. 
I know a lot of churches try to give additional compensation to essentially cover uh, the 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 uh, social security portion, the, 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 uh, the employee portion yeah. that uh, the employee and the employer portion that, that a pastor has to pay, which is unlike the rest of us, where we have an employer paying a part of that, that social security um, uh, out of our paychecks each time. And so, um, so just thinking through the, the tax side of things and making sure you get that right and you report it right, uh, it, it's easy to mess that up. I would say, you know, another thing is, just understanding the rising cost of inflation and rising cost of living is really important because, um, you know, if you went back, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, and you looked at how much a F-150, <laughs> <laughs> compare the cost from then to now for an F-150. So, you know, it's been, uh, that's a good example, I think, or staples, you know, um, milk, bread, whatever. You can, you can see just how much inflation occurs over the course of time. And you want to at least keep up with that, if not, you know, something else. Another thing that you can do if you want to be sensitive to um, people with children or whatever uh, is to say, okay, you know, we're going to make it part of our formula and this is this is the base or um, this is what we're hiring you at if you add a child or you have a degree along the way or, you know, whatever. Uh, here's something we're trying to do, at least acknowledge to you, hey, we appreciate that you've um, developed yourself or got a degree. You got a degree while you're here. If you had it before you got here, we probably would have had to pay you more. But now that you've gotten it, we're going to, you know, go ahead and, and uh, meet that unless they, of course, helped you pay for all of it. And then you got to figure out all that. But I would say um, just being generous and, and flexible and understanding uh, there's going to be some situations that um, you're, you're going to have to flex on a little bit. So one, one aspect you just said there is somewhat continuing education and development. I don't know if you have any research on this. We could also just talk from experience. Um, is there any research around churches paying for continued education or how they handle that? We've, we've not asked that directly. Uh, you know, two things come quickly to mind. One is uh, th that, that same article we found in, in the Christian Century, you know, indicates how many ministers uh, have debt from, from their education. Mm. So they're carrying that burden in, even though it's helping them do their job better. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the other thing we do see in research is that churches are pretty good about paying a minister more when they get that next degree. Mm. And uh, a survey we did uh, just in one denomination among Southern Baptists, uh, you know, we saw almost a $6,000 jump when they got a bachelor's degree, 11000 jump when they got a master's, and uh, $18,000 jump when they got a doctorate. So, uh, you know, so some, you know, seeing those as milestones, knowing that, uh, you know, yes, one specific class may not make you a better minister, but but the effort that went in to to really grow yourself in this role and to get advice from others that you get in a, in a classroom, uh, you know, should be rewarded. Yeah. So if you're if you're sitting there and you're like, man, what did what did Scott just reference? We're gonna make sure to put that in the show notes. There'll be links to download these these 
studies. So you can research those then. I would also say, um, you know, we've had uh, Kevin Peck on the podcast in the past and he's um, the lead pastor at Austin Stone. And one of the things that um, I think is really unique and interesting about the way they view compensation is there's some very non-traditional ways that they'll take care of their staff or bless their staff by saying, hey, you know, instead of giving this person a raise, um, we're going to pay this much for babysitting for this family or we're going to send them on vacation or... And the reason why um, he says we do, you know, that they do that is because if I just add, you know, $28 a month to every paycheck, it's not going to be noticeable and you're just going to spend it. Whereas if I do this, it says something not only to you, but it also maybe more importantly says something to your spouse Mm. um, about how much we value you and how much we value your family. Um, another thing that I think is, um, interesting to think about, uh, and I don't know of anybody who's done this before, but would really love to see somebody do it. I always was curious about doing it. Uh, and that is when people do come in, um, with student debt is having a program that's similar to, um, to retirement in where, Hey, if you're, if you're knocking down that debt which I think is a biblical concept and knock down debt. <laughs> uh, if you're knocking down that debt, is there a, is there a match that I'm nice. going to do similar oh, to wow. retirement um, where I could say, hey, you know, if you put this percentage against the automatically deducts for debt, then I'm going to match, you know, match that. If you're doing 3% or 5% or whatever, then I'll match that um, just as a, again, a nod toward that uh, person bettering themselves, but also taking care of that debt. That's a great idea. I think Austin Stone, I may be wrong on this, when they do their residency and internship program, when they bring someone in for that, they ask them to raise support for that. So that's another way to, you know, kind of work around the, maybe you don't have that in your church budget, but there's a way that you have somebody coming out of college or maybe seminary who could, who could raise support for that as well. So, and I think that's really important too, because a lot of us, uh, it's easy to step, you know, take a step back or say, oh, you know, that church is in a really affluent area. It's glad, I'm glad that they can do that, you know, down there in Austin. Um, at the same time, I think it is important to, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a fuller picture of the story because they're like, well, if they're, you know, forcing them to raise support um, is really showing, is character building. Yeah. Uh, it shows, you know, fortitude. It shows a, a lot of things uh, along the way. So, you know, um, Ah, man, I'm really glad you brought that up. And it's a great trait. You know, we're talking about church plants. Um, you have to be a little bit innovative. It's also developing that within them of saying, hey, if you were to want to plant a church, a big portion of that is is being able to raise support, get it off the ground, develop your core group. So I think it's also a development aspect of it as well. For sure. So let's go to the last question here. What are some trends that we are seeing in research when it comes to church staff and salaries? One of them would piggyback off something Todd just shared a minute ago uh, of the need to to keep up with inflation. Mm. Uh, in recent years, we've actually seen churches kind of falling behind on that. And inflation has not been crazy high either. So, uh, but as, uh, you know, a, a good rule of thumb would be to check uh, the government, the, the Labor Department's website with their consumer price index. I use the CPIU uh 
indicator, and they've got an annual number in there of how much prices have gone up in the last year. And so if you look up there and you see a 1.2 or you see a 1.8, that means the dollars you gave the pasture a year ago to, to be serving um, it is not buying as much. Mm-hmm. It's buying that you know 1.8% less than it was a year, a year ago. And so if you think they're worth just what they were doing last year, you need to give them that cost of living increase. Right. Then start talking about, um, you know, actually merit compensation. Uh, you know, and a second trend that's related to this is if if we isolate it and 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 remove everything else, so remove education and 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 other things, being at a church another year actually usually costs the typical pastor money. Their, their salary actually goes down. So other things are making it go up, but actually one more year at a church, usually it goes down. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's the kind of generosity we want to be showing to a pastor to say, not only in, in inflation-adjusted numbers is it, is it going down, but uh, in total, um, you might be compensating some other things, so the dollar figure goes up. But when we isolate by itself different causes of, of, of a pastor's salary, being at a church one more year usually indicates you're going to make less. Hmm. Can you, like, uh, I don't know, flesh that out a little bit more? So, so when we do analysis to say out of everything we know about a pastor uh, in a compensation survey, what predicts their actual salary today? Right. And so— being at a church one more year actually predicts making $500 less a year as a pastor. Now, at the same time... Uh, because, okay, so I'm trying to help break this down for those listening, because some people have done this math and some people haven't yet. What you're saying is, um, if I'm hopping around to the next place, the bigger, the better, the whatever, then I am going to be better compensated because, you know, it's a new place. They're gonna They're trying to draw me. Yep. And I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, be better yeah. versus I'm here another year. Is and, that it? Yeah. And obviously, you know, pastors have been someplace 20 years are going to be, you know, tilting that number a bit. Um, but yeah, being at a church one more year tends to have a negative impact on your compensation mm-hmm. in total. Um, and, and so, you know, as you think, again, you've got to balance this against what resources does the church even have to, yeah. to deal with. Um, but you, you want to be thinking about saying, hey, let's give them more just so we give them the same amount as last year, inflation adjusted. But then also, you know, that, that's another year of experience. That's another year of knowing us as a congregation. That's another year of, of having built relationships with people here that in most cases makes ministry more effective. That should be worth something. Right, right. That's good. Any other last thoughts uh, or last findings that you were like, man, that was something we didn't expect at all? Um, you know, a, a lot of it, you know, when we think of, of compensation, you know, things like retirement uh, and things like medical insurance are are things that are part of compensation and part of benefits. And uh, especially medical insurance, the costs on that in a typical year have been running double digit increases inflation wise. Wow. And so that can put in you know a lot of pressure on being able to give a raise when you've already spent a bunch of money over here just on an automatic right. increase. And some, you know, every few years you can shop around and maybe you save once in a while on on medical insurance. But in total, uh, that's a tough one. And uh, 
so, so that makes this hard. And so as a staff member wondering why your church is struggling <laughs> so much, I mean, it's, it's just hard. Yeah, right. Uh, you got two strikes against you um, going in. But retirement's also something that, uh, you know, a, a lot of ministers are not ready for. Each denomination kind of has a different plan in that regard. Uh, some have some some automated funds that automatically kick in, but in churches that decide what what they contribute to a to a pastor's retirement, um, really, there's an obligation long term to be to be contributing to the pastor's retirement in some form. Um, other. Otherwise, you know, as we do today, we have a number of ministers who who have to retire, and and, and really have don't, don't have the funds to live on right. in retirement, or they have to continue because they don't have the funds. To <laughs> yeah. That's why you see sometimes as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, once again, if you would like to like to take a look at this survey, um, you can go to lifeway.com slash compensation survey. Um, another thing you could do is just Google pastor salaries, not keeping up with inflation, because uh, <laughs> that's also one of the titles associated. That's an article that's associated with the um, with the survey as well. So. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. Uh, Please hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. 